Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we have some big news to share this month. The podcast is going through a rebrand. It will no longer be the Montgomery Companies Podcast. Moving forward, this will be the Growth Over Goals Podcast with your host, Jordan Montgomery. So I'll still be the host. We're still going to bring you great guests. We still want to add similar value, if not more value, and provide great content. But we've picked up on a theme over the last 80 plus episodes that each time we interview a guest, the conversation is oriented around growth. And in a world that's so focused on goals and accomplishment, we wanted to put an emphasis on growing and the daily process of getting better one day at a time. Thus, we've come up with the Growth Over Goals podcast and we're excited to bring you new content under the same platform. But if you're searching for this podcast via Spotify or iTunes, uh, make sure that you just type in Growth Over Goals. You'll find us there. If you're currently subscribed to this podcast, it's still gonna pop up. You're still gonna get the content. You're still gonna get the episodes. So no issues there. We're excited to bring you the podcast. The official rebrand will happen on March 13th. All of that said, we're glad you're here. We've got another great guest and we can't wait to let you in on this podcast episode. Today, I am with the Ken Coleman. Check it out, folks. He just told me offline that he goes by Ken Collaboration Coleman. Um, and, you know, it is, it, is, it is fitting because this guy is connected. Um, he's all over the place. He's the author of several books, including two bestsellers, The Proximity Principle, From Paycheck to Purpose. He's a host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Ramsey Show the second largest syndicated talk radio show in America. I'm telling you, this guy is one of the best voices for radio that you'll ever hear. That is not a dig to his looks, I promise you. Um, but he is none other than Ken Coleman. He's interviewed Peyton Manning, Sarah Blakely. The list goes on and on. He's been on Fox Business, Fox News, featured in Yahoo Finance and Forbes. Many know him as America's career coach, and he's also a believer uh, and a family man and um, – Ken Coleman, we're honored to have you today. Thanks for being on the show. Man, it's good to be with you, Jordan. I appreciate all those kind words. None of that can be proven, but uh, it does sound good. Well, listen, um, I'm going to hit you with a curveball. And, okay. and just so you all know, so a little bit behind the scenes, you know, oftentimes we'll send uh, our podcast guests some questions in advance and they'll, they'll kind of, you know, try to get prepared or they want some context for what we're going to ask them. Ken Coleman told me offline, he does not look at the questions. He wants us to be organic and real. So just say no. I gave him no heads up for this question. This is coming at him for the first time. Here's a question. What is, what is one thing that most people would be surprised to know about Ken Coleman? Uh, that I sleep with a full-length body pillow. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a good factoid. You and didn't you, see that one coming. You thought I was going to give you some like leadership wisdom. <laughs> uh, that, by the way, that's an absolutely true story. And I shared that on stage recently at an event. You wouldn't believe it was really funny. I told the story about how that came to be. And uh, I had dudes coming up to me afterwards in the picture line and all that signing book line. And they were showing me like, is this the kind of pillow you use on Amazon? I was like, absolutely. So who knew that a funny answer like that at a live event uh Guys were like lined up for it, but it really is a life changer. So this is um, something that you would recommend for other people to try out, check out full length body pillow. Oh, completely. If you're a side sleeper like I am, and you have bony chicken legs like I do, uh, then what it does is it keeps the the ankles and the knees from touching and clanging. It's good for your spine. 
your chiropractor will tell you that. And uh, it's quite comfortable. But uh, I digress. Uh, well, listen, you wanted, I, something, I, you wanted something in a different lane, but, but you said curveball. And so I thought, if you're going to throw me a curveball, I'm going to hit it uh, to right field. I just went with the pitch and poked it out over the second baseman. No one saw that coming. Um, I'll try to give you something along the lines of what you were wanting. Um, and um, you said something about me that they would be surprised to know. Is that's that what right. You're that's right. Well, that implies that they know me well enough to be surprised. So I don't know Listen, if your audience man. knows me well enough, but um, if you know me, uh, you you might be surprised to know that um, that I am a uh, a pastor's kid. You might be surprised to know that uh, I don't have a college degree. Although if you know me, I talk about that all the time. So I don't think I've got any big, uh, I don't think I have any big revelation. Um, Michigan football fan, um, you know, I don't know. Well, listen, I thought the I thought the full body pillow was was good. That was um, people weren't no, prepared no. to get Let like some health advice. They get some sleep advice, some leadership advice. It's gonna, guys. I'm gonna tell you something. It's a game changer, and and you got nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just you and your wife. Well, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, so there you go. Well, listen, man, this is a leadership <laughs> podcast. You're a leadership guy. In fact, you represent what I would refer to as one of the best leadership brands in the world, Ramsey Solutions. And I know that you have a unique relationship with, with Dave Ramsey and you guys go way back. But you've also sat at the, at the feet of many leadership mm-hmm. giants, you know, been close with John Maxwell. We were just talking about Mark Cole offline, our mutual friend. And mm-hmm. so you've learned a lot. You've absorbed a lot and um, been around a lot of great leaders um, deep and, and, and hopefully thought-provoking question, but what's the greatest leadership lesson, Ken, that you've learned in your journey? Greatest leadership lesson. Mm. You know, it, 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 it goes back to a story that I heard one time about a reporter who was uh, speaking to President Eisenhower. And uh, as the story goes, they were in the Oval Office, and the reporter said, you know, "President Eisenhower, how would, how do you define leadership? You know, you've been a military leader and now leader of the free world." And uh, he, President Eisenhower, pulled open his desk drawer and pulled out a probably about a six-inch piece of rope, kind of you know pretty thick, um, and he put it down on the desk, and he put his finger on it and pushed it towards the reporter. And in doing so, it cinched up, kind of got all cockeyed, cinched up. And he said, that's not leadership. And he said, this is leadership. And he put his finger back on the rope and pulled it. And it followed along smoothly and straightly. And I think that um, I've seen that modeled by great leaders that I've actually followed. I've seen it modeled by leaders that I've been able to coach, speak to, consult with their companies, those type of things. And that's that's a, a metaphor for the most powerful lesson, or I would really say the, the, the most powerful demonstration of leadership that I've observed is leaders who pull people along. Hmm. You know, um, because there's something about that. Number one, uh, the leader is out front when they're pulling. Hmm. And 
that implies that, hey, I'm out here. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this, this you know, arduous, difficult, tug-of-war kind of pull. But I think that what Eisenhower did was so beautiful. It was just a, come on, here we go. We're going this way. And I That's think good. that leaders with great vision, leaders with great confidence, leaders with great courage. Um, so that's a formula that I teach all the time, that clarity breeds confidence and confidence breeds courage. And leaders who are courageous pull people, not physically, but emotionally forward. Um, mm-hmm. it, is, it is almost a magnetic pull. And it's not charisma. It gets defined as that. It's not. Um, it really is courage. People will rally behind courage. Uh, they will follow courage into the greatest of uncertainties. And we've seen that throughout history. Mm. And uh, so I think, I think that's my answer. So well said. Um, you know, I think about Maxwell. You know, he'd say great leaders will help people see more and see before. And I think that is done with great vision, great courage, great confidence. You're polling people in the direction of purpose. Um, you're giving people counsel. You're helping mm. people um, navigate you know, I think about this this idea of being America's career coach. I I love that you even shared some of your story, you know, and, and how you sort of navigated your journey. I love the the humility in, you know, doing the little things that maybe didn't pay. And, you know, I know that you did a lot in broadcasting. I'll let you share some of that um, as you wish. But here's what I want to learn, um, or here's what I want to know, Ken, as we talk about leadership. Uh, just talked about the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned. What are you learning now? Like, what are you seeing with leaders right now? What's what's kind of popping out at you as you work with leaders, examine leaders, and um, what's working and what's not working in America today? Yeah, well, the great leadership challenge before us right now is the world of work is shifting underneath of us so rapidly. And it's it's almost like multiple storms just kind of coming at us. And we just barely get through one storm, and here comes another storm. And I think what's mm-hmm. playing out is is that more so than ever in history, leaders need to learn how to love people. Um, they're, mm. they're focusing on leading people, and I think they need to be refocusing mm. on loving people. I think loving people is the secret to leading people. Mm. And this bears out in the data. So if you look at the great resignation, if you leaders that are listening in here, if you weren't a part of it or you didn't get hurt by it, you've had your head in the sand. And it basically started about midway through 2020 and has continued even now into the first month of this year. It'll be very interesting to see what the data is, but certainly ending 2022 where we had an average of right at 4 million people a month, Jordan, changing jobs. Those are historic numbers the 4 million, but month after month after month for, for, for almost two years. It's extraordinary. And people are searching. People are, are going after the bigger paycheck because they can get it, and that's what the market was doing, so they were just doing it. And the reason they're doing it is because they had nothing holding them, nothing keeping them. Mm. Well, you know, you know, and, and so what we've learned from the last two years is that Employee engagement is now the number one issue for leaders and companies. Mm. Because if you don't have engaged people, then you can't have productive people and you will not have loyal people. Mm. And the, the answer to this 
you know, lack of loyalty and people moving all the time isn't to throw your hands in there and go, oh, this is just the way it is these days and blame it on culture. Welcome to leadership. People are leaving you, not their, not your company. Mm. Now, that does not mean, because I got some leaders starting to get offended, listen to what I am saying, not what I'm not. It doesn't mean, leaders, that you have necessarily done something wrong or done something bad to somebody. They may be leaving you because of what you didn't do for them. So it's not about always what you did to them. It's what you didn't do for them. Come on. And there are three human needs that uh, Gallup discovered in the largest engagement, employee engagement survey ever done. 181 uh, countries, tens and hundreds of thousands of employees went through this, and they came away with three human needs that the data showed them that must be met. So these are human needs that people are longing to be met, and leaders, if you don't know what they are and you don't know how to meet them, you are in deep trouble. So the three human needs are, one, people want meaning and purpose from their work. They want to see a greater purpose in their work, to their work, from their work. Number two, they want to be recognized for their unique contribution. That is, Jordan, I've noticed what you've been doing over here. You've done it this way. These are the results. We see it. We applaud it. We want to award it, or reward it, rather. Uh, It is private and public recognition specific, not you're doing a good job. Here's why you're doing a good job, where you're doing it, the results. It's, it is a recognition of their unique contribution. And then number three, they want a relationship with their leader. Mm. Um, Mac, John Maxwell, I used to work for John, certainly had a, has had a tremendous influence on me. And one of his, I think, signature works is the five levels of leadership from the book, Developing the Leader Within You. And the first level, uh, the base level is positional leadership. Mm-hmm. So, w- so what I want to make sure is, is that leaders understand this. And what Maxwell was getting at is a relationship with a leader is not boss, worker. That's not a relationship. That's a status. So if your only relationship uh, interaction with the people you lead is one of a Authority, that's not a relationship. That's an interaction. It is a transaction. Mm. It is not relational. It is transactional. And so uh, the way I try to describe it to leaders is, is what we all know, uh, e- either the mentor role or the coach role or a combination of both. You pick it. But mm. that's what they're looking for. They want to know that their leader sees them, hears them, values them, mm. pours into them recognizes them, rewards them. That's, to me, really, it's the coach. The coach is watching me out there. Am I doing it the right way in practice? Am I doing it the right way in the game? If I'm not doing it the right way, pull me out. Don't chew my butt. Tell me what I did and, and get me back out there. If I'm slacking off, chew my butt. You know, get after me. Come and on. so that's the idea. And, and so those three needs must be met, leaders. And uh, I developed a talk on this. It's called The Six Rules of Engagement. Um, and there are six specific rules. I'm not going to break those down right now, but the bottom line is, is that if leaders can understand how to meet those needs and then meet those needs on a regular basis, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have a greater level of engagement, which means productivity is going to be higher and profitability is going to be higher. And then the, mm. the long-term effect 
is you're going to keep those people longer. And not only going to keep those people longer, they're going to attract the right people for for you. Mm. One of the things I said in that speech, uh, the six rules of engagement was this. If you take care of the people you have, you'll never have to worry about getting the people you need. So good. Well, that was a, that was the nugget. We always, um, you know, we cut up one or two clips for social media, Ken Coleman, and, and that was, that was one of them. Now, granted, there's going to be 20 of them to choose from when we're done with this conversation, but super powerful. If you take care of the people you have, say it again. You'll, if you take care of the people you have, meaning you love them, you, yeah. you serve them, you develop yeah. them, you grow them. If you take care of the people you have, you'll never have to worry about getting the people you, need. The people you need. In other words, they so become good. your great recruiting tool. So good. Eagles want to fly with eagles. I've never seen a bald eagle hanging out with a bunch of buzzards. Come on. Yeah. And so the idea here is, is that, you know, we're, we're worried about, there's two things that are facing leaders, retention and then recruitment. I got, I want to get good talent in and then I want to keep them. Well, why don't you start by really taking care of the talent you have? So they'll good. help you go get the talent you need. Yeah. So idea. good. So there's some, there's some, I would say developed or emerging leaders that are hearing this right now and they go, oh man, that's good. And they're taking tons of notes. There's somebody listening right now who's a, who's brand new to the scene. You know, they're maybe they're in their first job or they're sort of that entry level person and they're hearing this and they're going, okay, man, I can't wait to, to deliver on that someday when I have authority or influence or some sort of, you know, personal or positional power. Uh, but, but I want you to speak to that person right now. What, what would you recommend to, um, the person who's starting out uh, that wants to expand their influence, that wants to that wants to walk with more purpose, how do they how do they expand their influence and start to lead up um, in, yeah. in, in, inside of their sphere or uh, organization? Well, I don't believe that you can lead until you learn how to follow. Yep. And so I would be focusing on being the best follower possible. Specifically, what that means is I am going to have number one a spirit of gratitude. I, I'm, I'm going to be grateful for the position I have now. I'm on the ladder. Probably six months ago, I would have chewed off my right leg to get this opportunity. I'm in. Mm. And so I'm going to be grateful for the position I have now, and I'm going to win the now. Mm. Okay, That means I'm going, to, I'm going to know my role, accept my role, maximize my role. That's winning the now. Winning the now gives me the opportunity for the next. So I've got to learn how to lead with, excuse me, I have to learn how to follow with humility and hunger, mm. and and uh, hungry means not just always asking for more, but I, I'm hungry to take whatever scraps are falling off my leader's plate. How yes. can I step up beyond my role and serve my leader and take some stress and some work off my leader? You know, mm. um, that's the idea of I got to learn how to follow. The second thing is is I would I would learn how to observe, um, and, and just observing leaders within your company, leaders outside of your company. Pay attention to what's working, what's not working. If it's working within your company, why do you like the way they do that? What is it about this leadership uh, philosophy or uh, function or act uh, or statement that you go, oh, I like that. You know, if, if I'm a young person who wants to lead one day, I'm walking around literally with my phone on memo mode or I'm writing stuff down. I'm going, that was good. Now, you're not sharing this with anybody. Mm. but we're being a sponge and we're going, this was good. Why was this good? Then this was bad. Why was this bad? Here's why we're doing that. We're not going to share this and critique our leaders, 
But what we're doing is, is we're in leadership training right now. And so when we get the opportunity to lead one day, let's start with leading the way that we wanted to be led or the way that we were yeah. led in good ways. And if we go, well, I didn't like the way that felt, I, and I think this is why, then write that down and go, never do that. Ever. And, and the opposite is true. If, if, if it was good and it made you feel good and you saw some response there and you thought it was a good strategy, write that down. And so I want to do some of that. And the same thing outside. You know, you read, read things, you, you see things, the things you like, write it down. The things you don't like, write it down. And what you're doing over time through observation is you are beginning to develop your own leadership style mm. so that when the time comes, you're starting off with some pretty foundational beliefs about the way that you believe you should lead. And it's mm. based on what happened to you or for you when you were following. I just don't think enough leaders do yeah, that. It's good. So good. Um, and, uh, and so then the final thing is, is when you get the opportunity, I want you to boil those early days of the first time you've ever led down to two actions, and you do this on a weekly basis, and then everything else will take care of itself. But if I was going to write the world's shortest leadership book, it would be one page, and this is what would be on the page. Do these two things on a weekly basis, and you're going to be a great leader. Number one, ask your people how they are doing personally. This is not walking by them in the hallway. How you doing? And that's a greeting. It's how are you doing? How's your personal life? You got to know enough about them to care about them. And you got to say, hey, I know your son just had this surgery. How's he doing? You're just checking in on them, the person. Mm. Secondly, the second question how can I help you win? What can I do to give you the resources? Can I give you the backup? Can I, what can I do? How can I help you win? Mm. Now watch what happens in those two questions. It is the first question that develops the trust between your person, your people, and you relationally so that they feel confident enough to answer the second question, which is professional. First question is personal. Once they realize over time of you asking that first question over and over again, and they begin to know that you actually care, and it's not just this empty exercise, they begin to trust you because you care for them, and they see, they, they, they see that you care for them, and then they begin to actually trust you. And so then over time, when you ask that second question, they begin to answer it honestly. But I don't believe it is instinctive of people to answer that second question honestly at first because the way that the corporate world works and the way that the, the, the leadership model in this country and around the world has just been fraught with just bad, bully, manipulative leaders. So they're afraid to answer that second question because if I say, well, this is what I need, are they going to think that I'm incompetent or that I didn't pay attention in training? And are they going to fire me? But when, when I ask them over and over and over and over and over, how you doing in your personal life, how you doing? And they know that I care yes. and they know that they can trust me with my real life stuff. And they see that, that you value them, then they'll go, well, my coworker, Fred, he's not, he's not doing his thing. And I don't feel like I'm in a position to correct him. And I, I need you to hold him accountable so I can do this. I mean, whatever it is. And so it is the trust that is developed in the personal check-in 
that allows us to get the truth for the professional check-in. So good. We've said this in our organization for a while now, and we took this from Craig Rochelle, which I think is just a great leadership mantra. He said, trust is given, mistrust is earned. And it's amazing what people will do or what they'll ask for or how they'll engage with you when they feel trusted and appreciated and invited and included. And, and, and that's what you're talking about. And the other thing you're talking about really is building character. You know, everything that you just mentioned about observing and assessing and watching is, is character building, you know? And, and I think you would agree with this, Ken, that character's built in the dark, you know, that leading up and influencing doesn't need to be about giving the best presentation or winning the award or being the most productive person. It's really about what you do in the dark. It's how you learn, it's how you absorb, it's how you grow and it's how you witness, you know, what other people are doing around you. And um, so I, I just subscribe and sign off to everything that you just shared. In fact, if the last five minutes was the entire podcast episode, it would be a good one because that was there was a ton of gold there. All right. Somebody's saying this. You can't tell me this is America's career coach and then not ask him about the future of work and what's happening in, in the world of work. So You've done a lot of um, study on this. I've listened to your content. You're constantly talking about how work is changing. What do we need to be thinking about as leaders? What should we be anticipating about the future of work? Give us a window into some of your best thoughts um, and some of what you're seeing with the future of work, Ken. Well, I certainly believe that there is a storm of tension coming with a lot of big public companies this year on returning to work. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, a real pushback and a boldness, if you will, from public companies saying no more remote, 100%. You know, you're going to have to be back in the office at least three to four days a week. That's a fight that is already beginning to emerge. Um, I think the four-day work week is going to be something we hear a lot of. I think it's going to be adopted. I don't think it's going to be mass adoption anytime soon, but I do think it is here. And a lot of leaders aren't aware of that. Uh, You know, the idea of whatever the hours are, whether it's a 32 hour week or 40 hour week, whatever, the four day work week is coming. This fight over remote versus full time in the office or hybrid. So those, those are going to be some battle lines that are drawn between um, companies and workers, and um, I am I am concerned that what we might see. Well, I, I don't know why I, I don't believe I don't think it's a might. I I believe I said on today's show I believe this is going to happen, and I'm nervous about it. I believe you're going to see a lot of public companies that are going to go. You know what? I'm tired of fighting people to come back into work or whatever. Uh, it's not ideal to have remote or hybrid. Um, so I'm not, I'm done fighting and I'm tired of negotiating and I'm going to ship that job overseas. So I think you're going to see a lot of white collar jobs that have been remote or hybrid. And I think companies are going to say, you know what, we're going to save money and we're going to kind of call people's bluffs here. We're going to push our chips in the middle. And I think a lot of them are going to do it as a threat. But I think a lot of them are going to do it and go, you know what? Fine. Mm. Let's just ship that white collar $150,000 a year job overseas to the Philippines or India or you pick a country. I don't care. Europe. 
and somebody over there will do it remote for half. And now you're going to see a lot of white collar people thrown out in the streets pretty quickly. I'm nervous about that because I think that that could lead to some serious social unrest. Um, Mm. I mean, we've seen some social unrest over COVID and racial issues in our country, but those don't even touch the fever pitch of what could happen if we see companies do this in mass. And you got a lot of unemployed people who just lost their job and it got shipped overseas. And now it's a whole new game. I'm nervous about that happening. I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen on some level. The question is how much. So that is going to be interesting, man. You talk about a game changer. No doubt. No doubt. So I got a question for you. So, um, cause somebody's listening to this and they're going, man, I'm dealing with that right now. Ken, right now I've got a team of people who doesn't want to come back into the office. I feel like I'm always yep. fighting that. Um, I'm not ready to put my chips in the middle and call their bluff and hire overseas, or maybe I've got some complexities where I can't do that. So I'm just simply trying to get my people to come back to work. Um, what advice would you have uh, for those folks who want people to return to work and be present and be more engaged in person? Yeah, you got to connect to their heart and soul. Same thing that a pastor tries to do. I mean, how in the world does a preacher get people to come to church on Sunday with all the distractions and all the things out there? They don't have to be there. I think it's probably a good thing to come to church, but there's so many other reasons why they wouldn't go to church. So what does a pastor do? What does a church do? they got to speak to people's hearts and their souls. Leaders can't throw all these silly benefits out and all these things and pizza parties on Fridays and you know all this kind of crap that Michael Scott did on The Office. It falls on deaf ears. And I don't mean to oversimplify, but I'm going to tell you that I believe with everything that I have that we were created to work, created to contribute, and we long to make a difference in the world. And if you give people a heart-level, soul-level, compelling mission to be a part of, they're going to come into the office. You won't have to convince Brilliant. them. You gotta, you gotta connect to them, not convince them. Mm. You know, you don't convince a person to change their life. You don't convince them. You connect. There's a message that connects to them, and then they go, "Ah, now it's time." Mm. And uh, I, I just think that that uh, you don't have to try that hard, leaders. Uh, okay, let, let, two things. And if this makes some of you uncomfortable, that's fine about the source. If you disagree with my source, but you won't be able to disagree with the common sense. Genesis chapter 2 makes a very compelling case that we were created to work. And there is a creative element to work. In fact, I would tell you that uh, we are created to relate and create. So God designed us to relate. That's relational beings first. And then to create occupational beings. And so there's a reason why we long to work. There's a reason why the data is so stunningly clear that when retirees just go from working one day to just stopping, it has all kinds of negative impacts on every year of their life. So why is that? Because that's, that's who we are and who we are designed to be. So the singular commonality of relating and creating or love and work is service. Love is an act of service. Mm. 
work is an act of service. You, it's, it's undeniable. Mm. Okay? So, leaders, and I know you all are agreeing with me. You're going, okay, of course, it makes total sense. <coughs> all right? So, give people an opportunity, a ladder, a path, whatever you want to say, to come in and create something that they're good at doing, something they love doing, results that matter deeply to them. This is my methodology of talent plus passion plus mission equals purpose. In other words, we were all created to use, this is the occupational side of purpose, to use what we do best, talent, to do what we love, passion, to produce results that matter to us, mission. In other words, what motivates me? That's another thing. I'm developing a talk right now. It's a whole other thing. Leaders, stop trying to motivate people. You cannot motivate people. What you think is motivation is manipulation. It's what I do to my boys when they live in squalor, and I walk in their room and I go, you aren't going out with your friends this weekend. You aren't doing anything. There's no Madden. There's no video games until this squalor is clean. So then they do it, but that is manipulation. Motivation is my kids cleaning their room because they like to live in cleanliness. So you must find what motivates a person. What, what do they care deeply about and connect that to the job? It's pretty simple, leaders, but you, but you got to know your people. You got to know humans in general, and you got to go, you got to be able to connect work, this job, this paycheck to purpose. And when you do that, it doesn't mean you're going to get everybody, but you're going to get the right somebodies. It's so uh, good. So I, I know I'm covering a lot of stuff there, but I mean, this is this isn't about strategies to motivate people to come in. This is about opportunities for people to connect their heart to their work. Mm. Love what you said about you cannot convince you know we can't convince people uh we gotta we gotta connect people and i love you gotta you connect about, an idea you gotta connect yeah, you gotta connect yeah. a solution to their problem and then they accept that but you can't convince them of anything they are the ones that decide that's right that's right and we were we were created to relate and create and and i agree with you and by the way i agree with you on the source uh so thanks for sharing um be- beautiful insight and, I, and again i think that is a just such a real issue that so many leaders are facing right now. In fact, as you were sharing that, I was thinking about a client of ours who, you know, they were setting up like the dry cleaning service at work and they were going to wash people's car and they were going to, like they had all these services. It was all rooted in strategy um, instead of rooted in in service to others. And so um, thanks, man, for shedding some light. We could, we could run this back and we would love to have you back again to talk about the future of work and for you to yeah. shed some light on leadership principles. Um, I want to I hear about what's next for... Ken Coleman, you've you've you're doing so much. You've got books and you're speaking, and um, you're now uh, you got this assessment. You've got the Ken Coleman show. There's a zillion ways to connect with Ken. What are you working on now? What what would you love to or um, be willing to share with our audience about what you're up to? Yeah, well, we're taking the assessment that the initial version. It's called the Get Clear assessment, and we're we have now created what is a business to business model. So. The, the initial assessment was for people who are searching and trying to figure out their direction in life. And we've taken that same methodology, the idea that we use what we do best to do what we love to produce results that matter to us. And by the way, that's the key to writing a good job description. Uh, that's the key to hiring properly. 
to get the right person on the right seat. That's the key to keeping them engaged and them giving you their best is that combination of are they using, are they spending most of their day, 75% of their day, using what they do best to do something they enjoy to produce results that matter deeply to them? I mean, that's a championship team. You will destroy the competition if you hire for that and you lead for that. Um, and so we've created a version of that assessment that leaders can use for themselves to go, what is my leadership sweet spot? Where should I be spending 75% of my day? Leaders have so many blind spots, but it's got to start with the leader going, you know what? I'm doing some stuff that I'm average at doing, or or, or I'm doing some stuff that I don't enjoy. Mm. I'm producing results that I could give two flips about, Mm. and I'm in charge. What's wrong with this picture? So it's an awareness tool for leaders so that leaders themselves are operating at their best And then they begin to lead that way to go, okay, what about my team? And as we look at this team of eight people over here, you know, what if if we look at a position that we need to hire for, or we look at somebody who may be just a little bit off, they're they're really talented. Something's off. Engagement's not where it needs to be. Productivity's not where it needs to be. Results aren't where they need to be. And we're kind of scratching our head. Let me tell you what the answer is, the get clear assessment. For you to have them take it, and you look at their results, and it lays out a very clear report. It shows you your top three talents, top three passions, in other words, functional work you really enjoy, you get juice out of, and then what motivates them. That's the missional mm. result. It shows you everything they score above average. Now, let's say you take that person, and you get their results, and you go, huh. And you look at what they're doing during the course of the day versus what their assessment results say they should be doing. And now, all of a sudden, you, the leader... And they, the team member, have tremendous clarity. Now, all of a sudden, we know exactly what to do practically. Well, I get it. You're spending over half your day doing crap you don't like. Really all well right? said. Yeah, so, so I'm super excited about getting that assessment into the hands of leaders and businesses so that they can begin to see this is exactly what general managers and coaches of winning sports teams need to be doing. It's like we got a if it's basketball, we got five guys on the floor at a time. If it's football, we got eleven guys on the field. And if we're running a forty-six defense or a three-four defense, then that de- that determines the linebackers that I need. I mean, you don't think Nick Saban knows the kind of guys he's recruiting? Let me tell you something. He knows. He knows what kind of running backs he wants, what kind of receivers he wants, he knows. It's based on the kind of system. So it's like, why aren't leaders doing that? Yeah, well, I mean, so good. You're trying to go to the next leadership conference and yeah. figure out the next new leadership tactic. And I'm just telling you, that's all worthless if you don't have the right people in the right seat. Mm. Well, I think you're giving leaders direction, Ken, but I'll just speak this over you, man. I think one of your superpowers is you're helping leaders with their awareness. I think yes. awareness is synonymous with with your brand. Superpower, you know, superpower. Superpower, and so important, you know. And and Maxwell said it best. John said, you know, so many people see themselves um, in an, in an unrealistic way. They they have a difficult time seeing themselves, but they have such an easy time seeing everybody else. And and that's what we're talking about. Is this there's this paradox, right? Like as a leader, man, I can discern other people's talents and their gifts and their blind spots, but I really struggle to discern my own. 
And I think you're helping people with that in a major way. We're going to link the Get Clear assessment to the show notes. We'll also link um, your show, the, the Ken Coleman Show. Uh, man, I just appreciate you spending time with our community and investing your time and your talent into our people. Uh, we got better over the last 47 minutes. Uh, but before we sign off, um, is there anything you want to share or anything you want to leave our audience with? Man, we've talked leadership. We've talked clarity and awareness, discernment, direction. Um, You've also informed us that you do, in fact, sleep with a full body pillow and made that recommendation to all of our listeners. Maybe the greatest um, value I offered. <laughs> it might be. It's a lot of good insights, man. That was that was among the best. It wasn't the best, but it was right up there. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you what do you want to leave us with? Anything you want to um, leave us with before we sign off? Yeah, you know, I have a I have a heart for for leaders because. Leaders are women and men who decide to step out front and um, experience uncertainty, crisis, uh, the goodness, the victories, everything before everybody else. I mean, you, you just have stuck your neck out and you said, I am willing to go up front and lead. And it's, it is very, very difficult. Um, because you are leading people. And it brings so much um, uh, uncertainty because you have to make decisions, you know, when you don't have all the information. It brings criticism. It brings loneliness. It brings frustration, tremendous hurt when people leave you or stab you in the back or whatever, whatever. but all of that is the price of admission to get the honor to lead people that trust in you towards Mm. something that is bigger than all of you. Mm. And when you're in those valleys, some of those emotions or words that I described there, um, I I just want to encourage your heart that Mm. you signed up for this because you believed in a destination, the vision that gets you to the destination. You believe in the results of what you're going after. And there was a time when you said, I know it's going to be tough, and I still want it anyway. And so I would remind you of that. And, uh, and uh, you know, learn how to write a resignation note on Friday. Put it in an envelope and put it in your drawer and leave the office. When you get back in on Monday, tear it up. And uh, just keep on keeping on uh, because leading is not for the faint of heart. Leading is for courageous men and women. And uh, final note on this, uh, it is in those moments, those tough times of leadership where our courage begins to fade. And in those moments, there's a formula that I promise works. And I've just been describing it. So now I'll give you the formula. Clarity. Breeds confidence, and confidence breeds courage. Remind yourself why you chose to lead. Remind yourself where you're choosing to lead people, what the destination is. And as you begin to retreat back to that crystal clarity, extreme radical clarity, then your confidence will rise again, and then you'll have the courage to show up tomorrow. Mic drop. 
ended on the highest note, man. And I just um, appreciate your your wisdom. Uh, and you're, you are a model of uh, clarity and confidence and courage and appreciate your work. Um, and I, I want to say this. I wasn't going to share this, but, you know, we prep hard for these shows and you show up prepared, you know, like helmet and shoulder pads are on and, and this is, this is important time. Your time's valuable. So we, we show up prepared and in our preparation, you know, we're going through your website and our team is talking about your content. And I so much appreciate how smack dab on the front of your website. It's like, hi, I'm Ken Coleman, and this is my story. And you illuminate all of this stuff that you went through. And it's not the, the fancy stuff. It's not all the good stuff. It's actually all the hard stuff. And I think because of that, Ken, you connect to people. People connect to your struggle. They're impressed with your strengths, but they connect to your struggle. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate how you've led through vulnerability, authenticity, transparency, giving people what's real and in a world that can be so fake and artificial. Um, I appreciate that you have kept it real and you're wearing your faith on your sleeve uh, and you're talking about things that matter and you're not afraid to speak the truth. So um, man, keep connecting, serving, leading. We got better over the last hour and uh, appreciate your time. More importantly, appreciate who you are. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kind words and for the opportunity to share my heart. And um, uh, it's an honor and a thrill to be with you. Listen, I'm going to go buy a full size body pillow and I'm going to go and I'm going to go take the get clear assessment. <laughs> and you and I. Both of those things. See, <laughs> one is good for your soul and one's good for your body. It's fantastic. Hey, man, you're, you're providing so much value. Just it, does, it doesn't end. It even goes into sleep recipes. So there ain't no shame in your game, man. No shame in the game. Hey, we're going to stay connected, man. I look forward to getting to know you better and staying connected. God bless you. Thanks for being with us, Ken. Thank you, bro. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. I want to say thanks also to John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make this episode go. If you enjoy listening to this show, if you're somebody who tunes in once in a while to our podcast, we'd love it if you'd officially subscribe so that we could move our mission of impact forward. This podcast is designed to help the leader go farther faster. We hope we've done that today. Be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.